Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Better Late, the podcast about adult gymnastics. If you're a gymnastics fan, you've heard of Denisha Francis. She's a former UCLA gymnast known for her iconic moves on balance beam and floor and her insane flexibility. She was an Olympic alternate for Great Britain in 2012, and she just missed making the 2016 team for Jamaica. In 2019, she earned an individual spot for Tokyo. Not many alternates come back to try again, never mind after a successful college career. I wanted to talk to Danusha about how she kept her dream alive. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for joining me. Excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. First of all, I wanted to say congratulations for earning your spot for the Tokyo Olympics. That's super exciting. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, dream come true. For those of you who may not be familiar with your journey, can you talk a little bit about competing in for Great Britain and training when you were younger and then coming to UCLA and what you've been doing since then to now recently qualifying for the upcoming games? I started gymnastics when I was five. And um, I remember watching the 2000 Olympics when I was, I think, six and thinking that is what I want to do. I want to go to the Olympics. So had my sights set on 2012. I knew that was the age when I was going to be eligible. Yeah, so I was on the GB team, competed at Europeans, Worlds, and then was part of the Great Britain team in 2011 that qualified us to the Olympics the next year. I knew it was still going to be very tough to get on that team. And unfortunately, I just missed out and was reserved. Still a great honour, but obviously not quite the dream that I wanted. So then off to UCLA, had an amazing time in it, sort of reignited my love for the sport. And I thought, why not just compete internationally a little bit more? I still, at that time, I don't think I was ready to admit that I had still had this Olympic dream, but I wanted to do Commonwealth and a couple of, of other competitions. It wasn't really possible to compete for GB because of having to attend national squads and different trials. So um, I'm half Polish and half Jamaican. So I explored both of these options and I really was drawn to compete for Jamaica just for the pure spirit of their athletes, mainly Usain Bolt, but just like obviously they're known for their track and field and all of them have so much charisma and it's something that I was excited to be a part of. So when I was able to compete for Jamaica, I got my citizenship and everything. I did set my sights originally on the 2014 Commonwealth, but um, didn't quite have everything together by then. So kind of hadn't planned ahead for if that didn't happen. But when it didn't happen, I was like, okay, well, I've got my passport. I've got everything sorted now. It'd be a shame to not put it to use. So I ended up doing the 2015 um, Worlds. And obviously this just so happened to be the one that qualifies you to the Rio test event. Again, I still didn't say like, yeah, I want to make the 2016 Olympics. But knowing that it was a possibility, my coach and I also haven't been sort of out of the international scene I didn't know what my chances were and we didn't sort of bother working it out didn't need that extra pressure but yeah when I did actually qualify for the Rio test event that was like amazing and I was like wow like second chance of my dream but unfortunately the Jamaicans decided to send a different athlete so again I was this close to um, sort of making my Olympic dream a reality so anyway I finished off my UCLA career on a massive high as the national beam champion and honestly was very satisfied with my career, retired from the sport and sort of got into coaching and just different opportunities that came my way. And then one week where I was just coaching some private sessions at my club, loads of people just happened to ask me 
if I was going to come back to gymnastics and this is like after a year out and I was just like why is everyone asking me this so strange like and then I just started thinking about it and I was like well like what is actually stopping me it's not that I like have any sort of injuries or any psychological hurdles to get over so I started thinking about it more and more and then um again I thought let me go for Commonwealth because that's sort of the step down and then see where that takes me after a year and a half out I got back in the gym and sort of told my coaches and my family that my goal was Commonwealth and that would have been 2018 but then unfortunately when it came around to Commonwealth Jamaica was only going to send one gymnast so they decided to send Reese Beckford it was a shame that they didn't want to send one male and one female but obviously different reasons financial um and I mean gymnastics is is only just starting out there so I understood the reason but was obviously disappointed but then I kind of got all my skills back and was sort of competition ready at this point and so then I sort of had to admit to myself and own up to this Olympic dream and because I just carried on training as if like nothing had happened when the Commonwealth had been and gone and my coaches were kind of like so what's next (laughs) and so then I think having to sort of say out loud and put it out there was really scary having missed out on it twice and it's not just like an annual thing it's like four years and like you don't want to have your dreams crushed again yeah it's hard it was hard to say out loud and own up to it Um, and I think I was only really ready to sort of have that as my spoken out loud dream when I knew that it could be a reality which for me was probably um, Pan Ams in um, 2018 I felt like I did pretty good and I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm good enough to qualify. Um, so after that year, I was really like into doing my vision boards. And um, I think that also helped to just like manifest it. And yeah, eventually Stuttgart 2019, I went in knowing that I was um, had the potential um, to qualify. And I just put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and it was a very nerve wracking event, but made it happen. And here we are, fingers crossed that it all goes to plan next year. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Your story is so inspiring in terms of the perseverance. I mean, to um, I'm almost like crying because I'm so inspired by it, you know, you. to almost make it in 2012 and then 2016 and finally like 2020. That's a span of eight years. That is a long time. It's not like it was 2012, you were alternate and 2016, you made it. That That would also have been amazing, but like eight, eight years is a lot and an athlete can really change a lot. So Congratulations. And I, I love that as soon as you, um, I'm sorry for like, I'm, I'm somewhat of a crier. <laughs> oh, I don't worry. I can relate to you right now. <laughs> we'll probably both be crying at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love that the moment, like you kind of like, you mentioned you had, were kind of scared to say it out loud or admit it to yourself. And then you finally did. And now it's happening. So amazing. How, how did you it's not like you set out in 2012, like, okay, I, I didn't compete and I'm going to make it to 2020. In a sense, you still had to maintain like elite shape for all those years. And how did you persevere? Yeah, so I think pre-2012 and pre-UCLA, for me, 2012 was always the end goal. And no matter what, like whether I did make the Olympics or didn't, I was going to retire then. So when UCLA became an option, I still wasn't sure about it. And kind of like how you mentioned back in the day, like even back then, it was kind of strange to carry on into your 20s kind of thing. And and some people obviously carry on even beyond that. Obviously, Oksana Chuzvina, the legend. But yeah, even carrying on like into your 20s wasn't really the known thing. Eventually, a couple of my friends were at college having the time of their lives. So 
yeah then stepping into UCLA and into this sort of different style of training like obviously team orientated very performance based it really allowed me to thrive and flourish and become sort of the best version of the, the gymnasaki so I think that's sort of as well as the environment and the coaches that's sort of why I thought I'm better than I was before and not that's not skill level that's just like confidence from within performance factor and as a competitor and I think NCA does such a good job of shaping athletes in that sense and in that sort of quality over quantity um, it's rare that you'll see top NCA teams sort of wobbling on beam which I just love that I love to watch these flawless routines that I put out on the college scene so yeah I really think that just works so well with me as a person and as a gymnast I wanted to almost like show that off on the international stage but that was never the plan until I sort of got there I'd wanted to do the world university games and then I thought I was going to be done and then obviously decided actually that that was a really good time and I enjoyed I actually made the floor final there which was like a big shock because my tumbles were easier than they'd been like in previous years but I think it was again like this confidence and this like more polished version of myself so yeah that and then that just spurred me on to wanting to do the commonwealth and then as I mentioned that didn't happen so then I was like okay well let me do the worlds and then after UCLA I was done and it just felt like fate or something the way that loads of people just kept questioning it and the cogs started turning in my brain and the other thing was it was just like all my decision and so as much as um, I put pressure on myself it wasn't coming from anyone else all that was coming from other people was like support and like they all believed in me yeah so I'm getting a bit emotional now but (laughs) yeah so I think that was like the main thing was like all the people that believed in me too it wasn't like they were um, they know that me doing the Olympics isn't gonna um, bring in like millions of pounds or all these medals they just believed in my dream and like respected that dream yeah, that's that's wonderful. And again, like very, very inspiring. And now you are in a pretty unique position, I think, because of the delay of the Olympics due to um, the pandemic. It's about a year away. And unlike a lot of the other people who thought that 2020 was their, the Tokyo Games were their year, you you have your spot. You had a few months like after you qualified and like that you knew, and now you have an extra year where you know you'll you'll be competing. How do you look at it? Is it a good thing or is it like does it make you more nervous? And and what is your training situation right now? I don't know what the gyms are looking like. Like in the here in the US, like every state is different in terms of yeah. what has opened up and what hasn't. Like, have you been able to train and what what does that look like for you right now? So we were back to training on July the twenty fifth. So um, we're still doing slightly reduced hours, almost back to normal, but obviously just with social distancing, lots of hand washing and all of that stuff. But yeah, with the extra year, I feel like I feel strong after lockdown. I feel healed, just like just small injuries that I had that I was definitely just going to have to put up with Tokyo if it had remained this year. But now like they're healed. So I just feel like in a good place. And originally, obviously, it was like, oh, another year, like the rest of your life has to get put on hold kind of thing. But um, I definitely see all the silver linings now, like feeling stronger. Um, And now I've pretty much got all my skills back. So that also gives me 11 months to try some new ones, um, get a new floor routine, choreograph. So, yeah, I think for me, um, I feel so relieved. And it's definitely like a comfort thing that I've already qualified. I think if I was still um, waiting to do trials and stuff like that or waiting to qualify, that would make me more nervous. Um, I feel really 
happy and glad that that bit's out the way and I can just look for the final stages of getting ready for the Olympics. What are some of the new skills that you are working on, if you don't mind sharing? Well, I literally just started thinking about it the other day, so I haven't put many into practice, but just on beam, we'll just split things off. And then I, I kept going between uh, flick lao and then flick lao lao on beam. So I've just dabbled with flick flick lao just to see. Obviously, it's like point one less than the flick lao lao, but I think it might be more consistent. So we'll see with that. Um, and then... For bars, I might just have a little play with some stuff, but haven't even spoke to my coach about this yet. <laughs> I started working on in bars a bit, but they're really difficult. And then maybe um, a toeful or just a shat full or shat puff. Just see, just have a little play more than anything. And then if anything seems realistic to get between now and then, then I'll go for it. Are those new skills that you are learning for the first time or are they skills that you have just not competed and are like implementing for the first time? The bar ones are, they'd all be new. So, well, I've, I think I've done TOEFL before, actually. But yeah, I've not done a shapful or a in bar. I've like dabbled with it, but it's, it's a hard one to learn. Yeah, the reason I ask that is because I'm curious about how learning a new skill is different now versus when you were first coming up as an elite gymnast. I don't know how old you were. I'm guessing maybe like 10, 11, 12 when you first joined the elite ranks. I would say the difference is then you just have to put all the trust in your coach. Whereas like now I feel like I know my body and what's and my mind and like what's more going to click with me. Um, so it's more of a collaboration. So my coach might suggest this and then I'll say, actually, I think I prefer to do that. And then we'll hopefully just come together. Whereas obviously when you're a child or a young teenager, like you or your coach doesn't quite know what's going to work and it's more trial and error. So I think also as an older gymnast, because you do know your mind and body so well, like after a few weeks, you'll know whether it's going to happen or not. Because <laughs> then you're, it's a bit more up and down and you've got to wait it out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you learn skills more quickly now or is it the same time frame and just a different mindset? I think kind of like I said, you're either going to get it or not. So if you get it, it's going to be quite quick. And then if you don't, it's, I feel like it's never going to happen. <laughs> like your body's sort of like developed into having its strengths and weaknesses. So yeah. you just got to work with them. And if it's something that's a different sort of muscle group that you're not used to using, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is, what is quick? Like, is that a two weeks, a month? Like, what would you consider? Like, if I have my new skill by this time frame, it's going to happen. Well, that's a good question. It's honestly been a while since I've done like a new, new skill. So like for the most part, it's been like since college, it's been getting my old skills back. But I would say, so I've literally, I literally only dreamt about this shuffle the other day on Wednesday when, when I was just finishing training. I was like, I've got all my skills back. What should I do for the next few months? Um, and so on Friday, I'll suggest it to my coach, see what he thinks. And so say if I was to be able to do like a shap half within a month, then I would think, okay, shapful might be a thing, but that's just completely me guessing. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it's not a not really a scientific question. I'm I'm just curious because, yeah, it's it's. I wonder. I don't know what most adult gymnasts, like non elite adult gymnasts, consider a time frame. I think it's different for those of us who don't like. One of the problems with it not being like a uh, normalized activity here in the U.S. is that it's really hard for adult gymnasts unless they are 
have been like training consistently to find a gym that will let them train. So I think, I think our time frame gets a lot like expanded, like, oh, it might take me six months to learn a skill, but six months is really just four hours a month. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you're training once a week, then it's obviously going to be a lot slower. But if you're training four times a week, so yeah, it definitely depends on the uh, repetitions you can get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you think a typical training week once everything is, it sounds like everything is back to normal training wise. Like, what does that look like for you in terms of how long are, are you in the gym on a weekly basis? And how many reps are you doing? How many routines are you going through? So I train four days a week for four hours at a time. So 16 hours, which is not really a lot in comparison to a lot of elite gymnasts. But definitely at college, I learned quality over quantity. Um, so when I'm in the gym, I really try to focus and make each go count. And then outside the gym, if I feel like I'm like at some points I've got a bit of pain in my Achilles, then I'll work on just like making sure that's strong and just like straight away, like any sort of pain or any red flags, I'm going to work on that area just to obviously stay as healthy as possible. Um, and then when it comes to, so sometimes I'll end up doing slightly less hours than that. But when it comes to um, competition, sort of, I'd say about 10, eight to 10 weeks before is sort of when I consider the build up starting to get myself into routine shape. Um, and then by the time we're like three or four weeks away from the competition, I would do about two bar routines, like successful, five beam routines, one, maybe two floor routines. Um, and then just about three to five volts. So I'd say pretty low numbers if you were to compare that across the board of like elite gymnasts. But um, yeah, I'm obviously balancing, um, earning a living and trying to also adult on the side. Um, and that's what works for me as well. I think that's the other thing too. Each person so individualized. So say 37 hours or however many the person who's the most in the world is doing versus my 16. Like that's what works for me and my goals. But it's each their own. Like I know, say if I really wanted to push to make the all-around final I could up my hours and give myself a better chance but my aim is just to do my best and have the best experience um, and the best time at the Olympics so if any of that came it's just going to be a bonus but yeah six hours is what works for me and my life <laughs> yeah yeah you mentioned you um you are you working right now also on top of the training yeah so I just finished a stunt job but I do at the moment well, so in, yeah, not next week, but the week after, I'll go back to coaching because it's in, during like school term time. Um, so just between now and then, I'll just do like a bit of Zoom, a few private coaching sessions, um, just bits and bobs. Um, yeah, and I just do like a lot of freelance throughout the throughout the year. Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of the adult gymnasts, I mean, pretty much have to have to be working here in the in the US because, um, yeah. I mean, there's not really an opportunity be a full-time <laughs> adult gymnast yet. So yeah, that's really interesting. Do you do any besides gymnastics training? Is there anything you do to supplement that training like yoga or I'm just throwing that out there because it's, it's somewhat common. Nothing too specific. The only time I'll do like other stuff is if I'm missing training. So the last two weeks where I had the stunt job hotel for the most of the time. So I just used the hotel gym. So obviously was doing like different style of training more just running on treadmill and like a bit more weights and stuff like that 
Um, but just during training, the only supplement supplemented stuff, I don't know if that's the word, <laughs> is um, like just any sort of rehab or prehab to keep sort of injuries at bay and keep body parts strong. Mm. You are well known for your flexibility. Have you always been super flexible? Has And do you have any type of flexibility routine that you maintain as you get older to make sure that you can keep your like signature moves? I think I've always been flexible. Um, when I was really young, I remember um, before I even went to Heathrow, where I train now, so I must have been like six or seven, I trained with two older girls and they had really lovely like straight legs and I um, struggled to like hyperextend my knees to get my heels off the floor and they could both do it really well. So I always remember sitting in front of the TV, tense in my legs really hard to try and get them as straight as theirs were and um, eventually it worked. So now I've got really straight knees. So um, that was something that I definitely sort of worked on when I was really young. But now I don't like to sit in front of the TV and do that. It's just like I got it and it's still there. And I also remember being injured when I was about 12. Well, between sort of the ages 12 and 14, I had like loads of little injuries, you know, when you go through growth spurts. And I would just like always just be stretching. So it's definitely natural, but I also kind of enjoyed stretching. And then nowadays, my right leg's a bit stiffer than my left leg. So I'll just pay a little bit more attention to that one. Like if I'm stretching splits, I'll maybe do like an extra 30 seconds on the right leg. Or um, if I'm going to do a hamstring stretch, I'll do like for a little bit on just the right leg and then both legs. Um, so yeah, I think it's just listening to your body uh, more than anything. And if there's areas that like one leg or one arm might be less flexible than the other, like I've just said. So yeah, just trying to keep them equal as well. But um, yeah, nothing too special. I think like with my legs, you definitely can work on it and improve. The last part, I would love to just ask you about the mindset. Because as I mentioned before, like the amount of perseverance to maintain elite competitive shape over eight, eight years, and now you're, you're going to the Olympics. And you mentioned a vision board. And I have done those in the past. Also, I have one now. And I know this can be somewhat personal. So as much as you're willing to share, I'd love to know about any anything else that you might do on top of your vision board or if you have a, a process to keep yourself focused on positive manifestation. Because I think a lot of the hurdles and athletes are much better at this than the everyday non-training um, athlete. But it can be so easy to get caught up in a loop of negative thinking it's so easy that we don't even know we're doing it unless we really take the time to think about our thought patterns so wondering if you have any words of wisdom or insight into how you make sure that your thoughts stay on the positive track well just um, coming back to the vision board um, it was something that obviously I always knew about and I almost just sort of thought it was just like uh nah like it wasn't I didn't buy into it and then a few years ago like two and a half years ago I've been with my uh, fiance now and then when I first like came to his house he had a giant vision board and it's like very detailed and I was just like wow like that's it just impressed me and then I like, obviously when I got to know him more and realized like um just like how well he was doing kind of thing and um, that was sort of what made me want to do a vision board so he kind of inspired me onto that and then obviously the year that I really, it was the start of the year 
um, last year, 2019. And I um, really just put my vision board together of my whole year. And it just, everything that I put on there happened. And each time it was coming up to an event, I had like, obviously all my gymnastics events on there. So Pan Ams and Worlds were the two big ones. So when it was coming up to Pan Ams, I um, uh, wrote down, like kept rewriting the goals that I had on there, which were all around and being final and then put them by my mirror and like on my door, like places where I'd see them. Every time I saw them, I'd say them out loud. Um, and then it was almost like for Pan Ams, it was like my tester to see if it worked for Worlds. <laughs> so when it came to Worlds, it did the exact same thing. Like I'd say even more because I wanted it that much more. So then when it all happened and fell into place, like now I will never, ever doubt a vision board again. And I'm completely bought in. And um, I'm actually working with a company to release these wellness boxes that include like vision board kits for young gymnasts. So I don't know how much I can say about it now, but I'm really excited because honestly, like I believe in them so much now and obviously through that, through that experience. Um, but other things that I would say that just really helped me is like, say if you're in traffic and like you just feel like the world's against you, like nothing's going right that day. I just try to just take a deep breath and then as simple as it sounds, but just count your blessings. Like, and this is probably going to be like a bit silly, but um, do you know that scene in Keeping Up the Kardashians <laughs> where Kim loses her earrings in the sea and then Courtney's like, Kim, people are dying. <laughs> Sometimes I just like tell myself that. <laughs> and like, I'm like, okay, that's wrong. It's like, you're in a traffic jam and like you're having a bad hair day or whatever it is. And I'm like, Tanisha, people are dying. (laughs) Yeah, just like putting it into perspective, really, and like counting your blessings. Like no matter how many things are going bad that day, I'm sure you can think of more good things. Um, And I'm hoping that your listeners can agree with me on that. Yeah, I love that. And I actually am not familiar with that scene from Keeping Up the Kardashians. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know if she's a Kardashians fan when I was saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll definitely look it up because I think it's, you're so right. If we can remember to something funny like that in the moment to just lighten our mood and keep things in perspective. That's, that's so important. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you are coming out with uh, something soon on vision boarding. I'm excited. to. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. I just want to thank you for your time. And if, is there anything else that you have in the works that you want to share for listeners and also where are you most active on social media that people should follow you on? I'm probably most active on Instagram and Twitter and then also use Facebook. Um, and then I'm also just going to be relaunching my website soon because I wanted to sort of get into blogging because I'm, I feel like I'm doing so many different things all the time. That would just be nice to have somewhere where I can just put it all down in a blog. And, um, and then if other people want me to talk on other topics, it's just somewhere where it's like I'm in full control. Um, yeah, so just look out for that. And I would just like to say to all your listeners that I'm guessing are mainly adult gymnasts that just go for it. Don't let any of the stereotypes or the old ways like keep you down. Just follow your dreams, follow your goals. Like, and yeah, just don't let anything stop you. And I think, like you said, perseverance is what's got me through. And I think anyone that's deciding to do gymnastics as an adult, whether you're starting now or carrying on, that you already have perseverance and you've got what it takes. I don't know who needed to hear that, but I did. No matter where you are in the sport or where you want to go, if you want to do it, keep doing it. Thanks, Danusha. Check out the show notes for links to Danusha's website, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of Better Late. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts 
It really does help. If you have guest or episode suggestions, send an email to betterlatepod, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-L-A-T-E-P-O-D, at gmail.com.